Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Forbes. Hello, everybody. And my name is Mark Bat. And this ain't babysitting. We're on number seven. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Seven-year itch. Which, by the way, when my wife heard the show from last time, when I mentioned yeah, that, would yeah. have been great if I would have married the other person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That 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 did was she, my that was my seven year. Did she itch. appreciate me stepping in? Yes, she did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, she did. You're didn't well. help me out. No, no, <laughs> I did. I knew it wouldn't help you. Did not help me. No, at it's, all. I like making myself sound just a little bit more impressive every the time. The one day she fucking listens. <laughs> That's all, right. all the other shows, I say nothing but beautiful things about yeah, her. Yeah, I've I noticed that I've heard more um, feedback from uh, from my wife now that um, now that summer holidays have started. Oh, which was interesting. To me. Okay, because she has more time. Because she's got more time to okay, listen now. Okay, she's okay. got more time to listen now. She's giving me great feedback. She's not going to be our Yoko Ono, is she? No. All right. No. 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 All right. No. <laughs> because we know and how that she, worked and, out. And I can just I can. Feel her, her, just her blood boiling as you suggest that that she would be our Yoko Ono. She's a big Beatles oh. fan, so oh okay, yeah, that's. Well, if she's a big Beatles fan, then she knows what I'm talking about. She knows that's, exactly that's, that's what you're talking about and why she's and that's why would, she would be upset. It was merely a question I was asking. Okay, it was merely a question. All hey, right. what's our topic today, Scott? Today, uh, we're going to talk about cashews <laughs> and how okay. they're just a okay. fantastic, yeah. healthy snack. Yes, they are. Yeah. Good in a salad. I bought some cashews at this Middle Eastern grocery store yeah. about two months ago, and uh, I was and I love salt. And I was eating them, going, "Oh my god! Like uh, these are these are salty." Yeah. And so my wife said, "How much salt?" Because con-? she's really worried about my salt content. She I was, can imagine. She said, "How much?" It was two hundred percent of my daily salt intake, and it was like only like in a like quarter a single cup. serving. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. I became a succubus. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was I, terrible. I can, yeah. So um, it's, you know, we're not actually going to talk all time about cash. The whole episode about <laughs> okay. cashews has been a good cashew talk. Right. It's a podcast and a podcast. Right. Uh, cashew chat. Um, is this like our new sponsor? It, it might be. Yeah, it might okay. be. It is might this be. what you're doing? If anybody's looking for, if anybody has a cashew company. <laughs> but dads eat a lot of cashews. Yes, they do. We happen to be dads. Yes. We have another dad on our show again today. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, being parents in a child care environment. Okay. Uh, and a little bit about what it's like to be a parent in a child care environment, what it's like to interact with parents in a child care environment, what it's like to be... Uh, a parent who's working in a childcare yeah. environment because we've got a uh, we've got we got a little bit of experience in that. I'm excited about this topic because we started off our show. Mm-hmm. Our very first show was about judgment, especially around fathers. I don't remember that show. It was right? a long time ago. It was, it was pre-cashew. <laughs> it was pre-cashew, pre-cashew days. We were talking about judgment, yep. and and I think this fits nicely into that whole bit about you know the judgment or or maybe some of the weird interactions between child caregiver, uh, caregivers and parents. Right, and and the the uncomfortable relationship that always starts that yeah. um, you know it's our job as as care providers to kind of help try and bridge that uh, discomfort and try and make something a little bit more open and, and friendly and and uh, interactive. Yeah. And then, and then I, I hope that at some point in this conversation, it might also go to the wider community too. Absolutely. You know, to all, all folks. And and again, our, our show is we try not to be judgmental. Yeah. We're trying to just help parents be a parent, the best parent you could possibly be. Absolutely. It's really tough. Hardest, most scariest job in the world. It's, it's one of those, it's a unique job in the sense that there are probably like 50,000 manuals printed about how to do how to do that job and you can read every single one of them and still not get it yeah yeah absolutely and and again the judgment of other people just does not help even from family members and all that other kinds of stuff because you're you're really fumbling absolutely you're just fumbling along and and family members you know i've uh noticed i've been extremely lucky in our family but i've noticed in some in some of the other families that that i work with that you know, sometimes those those intergenerational, um, you know, parents who who have grandchildren mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Uh, who kind mm-hmm. of forget what it's like to be a, a parent, kind of fumbling through that first little bit. Those can be the those can be the roughest interactions uh, for for a young parent. Yeah, isn't that the old cowboy saying? If I knew grandkids were going to be this much fun, I would have started with them first. 
That sounds like a cowboy saying. It sounds like some grandparenting cowboy saying. Absolutely. Or something like yeah. that. I, I like where we're going about the judgment thing. Can I tell a little judgment story? Yes. Hopefully do. this one doesn't get censored we're like gonna, the last one. <laughs> yeah, we had the... We had the, uh, we had the FCC. They it, came down. It was, they, they came, came down, down hard. hard. Yeah. It's okay. But it was all Canadian content. That's true. All That's Canadian true. content. No, I, 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 this judgment thing, this was before I was a father. So I, I like how timely this is because I, I do... I do notice that I changed a lot when I became a father with my interactions with the parents in my center. And so I was really judgmental. And, and, uh, and especially, geez, I, I hate to admit this, but I, I, I worked in higher needs areas in Toronto, what they call the at-risk communities. And yep. I hate that, that fucking term because all communities can be at risk. But anyways, um, so there's a lot of people living in poverty. And, and, uh, and, and it was in the Jamaican community. So in that Jamaican community, a lot of people would dress their kids, mm-hmm. like dress them beautiful in Kango gear and yep. all this other kinds of stuff. Well, here I am, this fucking middle-class white guy thumbing his nose at this going, geez, you don't have two nickels to rub together, but you're buying your kids expensive clothes. So what ended up happening? Well, you spend a day with me in daycare, you're going home messy. Yep. You're muddy, bloody, painted, and all that other kinds of stuff, right? And so the parents in, were... In that order. In that order. That was our kid's book. <laughs> uh, in that order. Um, and so the parents would come in, they, they'd be they'd be pissed, you know? But I'd stand there like this missionary asshole going, Oh, but look it, your kids are wearing their day. You should be bowing to me because of all this great stuff. And they would just take their kid and leave, and I know they were upset, and I didn't, I didn't give a shit because I thought I was righteous, right? It wasn't until this parent, she came up to me, and she said, Mark, you know, it, it's bad enough being poor, but it's worse looking poor on the bus. Yeah. I, I didn't... You don't have an answer to that. I, I there's, had, no, there's no there's answer no to that. There's no righteous yeah. answer. And, and so I, I... That... That changed me. That sent me off a different trajectory. Yeah. You know, um, thank God I'm reflective enough and humble enough. <laughs> well, Can anyone say they're humble enough and be humble? <laughs> thank God I'm so thank humble. God. I'm the best at humility. I'm the best humble. I'm the best at humility. <laughs> but I, I, thank God I was reflective. And then I started changing my practice. Yep. Like we were, wore uh, work clothes. Yep. You know, and got the work clothes all dirty, then they can get dressed for when the parents. Absolutely, came and I remember them up. we had um, we used to at at the daycare that I'm working at now. We used to ask parents, you know, when we're going on a field trip, dress your kids in X color. Usually it was red or something mm-hmm. like that. Dress your kids in red, and uh, you know, every time we'd have a field trip, we'd have maybe seventy percent of the kids dressed in some sort some sort of red, and you know, the rest of them dressed in whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, before I became a parent, God, I can't. I, I really need this. This would be so much more convenient if you could just do this thing that I asked you to do. Because mm-hmm. before you have a parent, it's all about you. Mm-hmm. and then, Or before you become a parent, sorry. It's all about you. And then I, I when we were expecting, I was, and I was looking at, you know, buy, and we started buying stuff for, for our son and, and all that kind of stuff and realized how expensive it was to, to shop for kids. And even if you're trying to go cheap, it's still expensive mm-hmm. to shop for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... That was when I I decided you know what I'm going to, I, there there's a a grant uh, you can apply for in the summertime for you know field trips and stuff like that, so I decided I'm going to write in the grant for this year I want to buy t-shirts for the whole daycare mm-hmm. and we bought t-shirts for the whole daycare, so that when we went out everybody or if we were doing messy stuff or if we were doing anything in the daycare where kids shirt got wet or whatever could throw a daycare shirt on them mm-hmm. and they could not have to worry about getting their stuff dirty. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have parents worrying about how am I going to remember to bring mm-hmm. a red shirt mm-hmm. on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. On top of all the other shit you got to do. Exactly. And then you feel like an asshole because yeah. you just took your kid to daycare without the red and shirt. And you're and you're the your kid is one of is one of three kids out yeah. of 10. I guess who, that's the one we'll lose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you think and, and in your head, parent walking in, you go, "Well, I guess yeah, I, you threw me off with that. <laughs> That's the one we'll lose. That's the one we'll lose. He's not I, in red. You should have read the memo. <laughs> <laughs> the field trip form that you signed specifically said if they're not in red, yep. we will lose them. Yeah, not our problem. It's our. It, they'll be somewhere around the forks. Not area. our problem. 
Oh, oh okay. boy, I'm excited about this show. I think that's show. a good time. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good place to cut our conversation. Yes. We'll bring in. We'll bring in uh, our our guest to our fantastic friend Adam Manicom, who yes. was in our previous one on men in early Absolutely. childhood education. Absolutely. Does a uh, which you'll talk about. Does a little workshop on parents and, mm-hmm. and how uh, ECs can understand you know the needs of parents more um, that kind of stuff but before we get to Adam I think we need to go to a commercial break I think we should definitely go to a commercial break and I think everybody should stick around and oh, listen to it oh it's the best oh, I love it's our all commercials. about cashews oh I love them all right starting right now hello everybody thank you very much for uh, tuning in to our seventh episode uh, it is uh, we are delighted to have uh, our good friend Adam back in just a couple minutes. I want to take a quick break. Thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. And uh, anybody who is thinking about supporting our Patreon, you can head on over to patreon.com slash babysitting. We have tiers of donations that you can make. It's a monthly donation, monthly pledge that you can make to... Uh, to our show to help kind of cover some of our overage costs. We have hosting fees and uh, website fees and Mark's uh, dome wax that we, we want to make sure we, we keep him nice and shiny for the summertime. It is my own homemade recipe, by the way. Yeah, that's why it's so expensive. Um, so I want to just, um, if, if, and let people know, if you can't necessarily jump in and, and donate financially, we totally understand it's, it's not a position that everybody is in, uh, at any given time. So, but if you want to help out the show, if you still think, you know, I can't really pledge any monthly money right now, but I want to help, then, uh, it'd be great if you could head on over to, uh, to Apple podcasts, give us a five-star rating and a review, uh, really help kind of boost our cachet with the people who, uh, who haven't found our show yet. Um, if, uh, you want to share the show, we have, uh, an Instagram page at this ain't babysitting and a Twitter handle at tabcast. You can also join our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash tabcast. Uh, and on there, we, we would love to hear from you. If you have, uh, questions, comments, concerns, if you want to, if you have a topic you want us to talk about on the show, uh, you can send all that information to us using any of those other methods that I, uh, I just described to you and, and we would love to hear from you. This is, we're, we're having a lot of fun doing this show. We want to, we want to keep doing it. We want to keep building on what you guys are interested in. So any feedback that you guys can give us would be fabulous. One more time, you can head on over to patreon.com slash this ain't babysitting to kind of, to support the show financially. And if you're not able to do that, Apple Podcasts, give us a review uh, and, and uh, give us a five-star rating. That'd be just swell. Or if you want to just stop the show, give us $100,000. There we and go. it's over. There we go. It's a hostage situation. Now, oh, shut the fuck up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that one just put me to sleep. I'm sorry. Again, Mark. You, I'm sorry. I, I would like to to dedicate this time to I making know. just a little bit of money. I know. I know. I know. So you snoring. You're the capitalist. I'm the anarchist. We're like Sonny and Cher. Oh, I don't like where that Something like metaphor that. ended up. All right. Captain well, Antonio. hey, Adam is here. Adam Manicon. Hello, Adam. Hey, guys. He's in our rec room. Thanks for having me back. Well, yeah. we loved having you last time. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this is really cool that we've got three fathers here talking about parents and talking about being a parent, you know, about uh, sort of what people need to sort of be aware about. Can we start with a positive? Because I know there's some things we have to talk about. Yeah. All right? So let's create this like a shit sandwich. You ever have a teacher like that give you a shit sandwich? Nope. Oh, oh to tell you something you positive. Pardon me. <laughs> what school did you go to? That's how we were raised in Toronto. Now, I'm going to give you a shit sandwich. Tell me something nice. Give me this shit. Is... And then end with something oh, nice. Okay. Oh, All right. I thought this was just like your, you were the, that was your meal because you were the bad kid. That's fucking illegal. Well, you I... can't. It's a metaphor. Oh, I forgot. You Manitobans do not understand metaphor. No, not shit metaphors. Like a shit sandwich? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, we call it a compliment sandwich. We, don't compliment. we keep it positive. Yeah, see, we're real in Toronto. We know where that compliment sandwich <laughs> comes from. And what's in the what's the meat of that? Anyways, we let's start with a positive. Can we uh, Adam, if we could start with you, just talk about, you know, your, your your father. What's the... Oh, you needed to also say hi to your kids. Yeah, right? that's right. You yep. better tell that story, by the way, because he was a little pissed. Sure, yeah. Yeah, my, my oldest son, Asher. Hi, Asher. Was, hi, Asher. Was, hi, Asher. really pissed off that I didn't say his name in the last podcast. When As I told, he should have been. told the story about Eric, yeah. But uh, they were really excited to hear Dad on the radio, so that... Nice. Uh, 
made up for it a little bit. That's good. And how old are your kids? I don't forget. You said last time. Seven and four. Seven and four. Yeah, two boys. Seven and four. So, best part? Best part is... Best part being a parent? Like, what's... Got a couple buddies around all the time. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely the best part. Especially now that, like, they're getting older and they're getting interested in their own things and interested in what I'm interested in as well. That's, yeah, that's yeah awesome. it's for sure the best part in sharing sharing the the good stuff right mm-hmm. yeah for sure i loved it when yeah and my son when he was around that and now he's 27 dylan hi dylan now that we're all doing hi that, dylan hi dylan <laughs> hi dylan <laughs> he doesn't listen to the fucking show he's 27 <laughs> absolutely um uh, uh, but i loved it when he broke around yeah around seven or eight everything was yeah what do you listen to dad what are you into and all that kind of stuff and then finding his own path and it, you know, getting into rap and hip hop and all that stuff, which I didn't understand at that time. And then I start to learn about hip hop and rap because now I, he's leading me. Yeah. You know, at a young age, going, well, if I'm going to be his dad, I need to know know this stuff, right? So Absolutely. that's yeah. exciting. I'm still now, at the point where they idolize me. Right. So like, they just, they're into whatever I'm into, and they want to hear the music. It's, some stuff like now that Asher's in, he's going into grade two next year, so he's picking up a little bit of stuff from from friends and stuff yeah. at school. Um, so I'm starting to see that. That's great. My two-year-old has already outgrown his idolization of me. Every, <laughs> two, every morning, two. every morning, I go in to when if his mom goes into his room to after he wakes up. So like, hi, mommy. Hi, mommy. Hi, mommy. And then if I come into the room, first thing he does is just put on a huge scowl. And go no, daddy. Mm. No, daddy. Yeah. And mm. then just will start screaming no at me, and I go good morning. Yeah. Very nice. To, this is sounding like show, young so Charlie Manson. Oh. I think that's what Charlie Manson said to you his think dad. So? No, daddy. It, it'll work out fine for you, though. I'm sure it will. It'll it worked work out great out for per- Charlie. Yeah, no, it'll be different for you. Little Chuck was just fine. It'll be totally different <laughs> for you. What do you, Scott, what do you see as, uh, you know, as a benefit or, or, or why you love being a, a father so much? I think what amazed me and continues to amaze me was. Um, I, you know, I'd heard everybody say like when my, when my kid was born and when I held my kid for the first time, like it just changed my, my life changed completely. And, and it's, it's such a, it was so true. Like it was as soon as I held, you know, him in my arms, as soon as I saw him, it was like, it's like, boom, like mm. completely different. The, the world was completely different to me and every, and I've, I've tried very hard not to lose that sensation of everything is is new and exciting now because mm-hmm. i get to experience it through him as well as as in my own and it's it's really cool when when they're about that that two-year-old age where they're starting to kind of develop interests a little bit mm-hmm. seeing what kinds of things he takes after me that he's interested mm-hmm. in what kind of things he takes after his mom that he's interested in and and how those those things kind of um, what kind of, like he's into trucks and mm-hmm. and trains mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and you know my my father has a a tractor and he does work with a he's got like a little Kubota tractor he does contracting work with it and my son loves it he gets mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. every chance he gets and his his grandpa who likes to be called dude shout out to dude um his dude takes him around on the tractor all the time and I remember being a kid and being like rock mm-hmm. solid mm-hmm. not going to get on any sort of no that's vehicle. interesting really nothing my grand my my great grandpa had a had a huge truck he had a huge tractor he had a huge they had like backhoes and excavators and and dump trucks and all that kind of stuff like a kid's paradise and and i was just like nope wow i'm gonna sit here isn't that interesting yeah and I almost drove our family car into the front window of a Knob Hill Farms grocery store in Pickering, like a, Ontario. It's like a fucking onion with you, man. Like every, I was into every it. Every time you say a sentence, <laughs> I just get deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. No, I accidentally put it in neutral and rolled. Uh, the guy yeah. had to pull me out yeah, of the car. Yeah. I loved cars. Well, hey. I did not know that about you. Yeah. Oh, is I? But you know what I love? What you just said there um, about uh, earlier, just about the experiences. Now you're like. It is funny, eh? Like, and your your comment, Adam, about about having these two friends. It's like 
you've got these people that you want to share things with. Right. The mundane, the most exciting, like all that kinds of stuff. And and you're right, it changes you because you do, not necessarily that you're selfish or anything like that, but it it does change you now that, oh, now I got this other person I'm being responsible for and I want you to see the world. I want you to hear a guitar. I want you to watch a bird. I want you, like, all that kinds of stuff. And then you start noticing the world. And I think one of the other... The great things that, and it's also a bit narcissistic, is just that legacy and that little uh, piece of you living on forever, right? Yeah. And, and just passing that on, and even like Scott with your story with with your dad, and so it all comes together full yeah. circle, right? And it just keeps going on, and it's cool to know that you have something going on. Absolutely. Yes, we're spreading our genes. Yeah. <laughs> but let's all admit the uh, the birthing room horror show. Yeah. Yeah, horror uh, show. Yeah. Our, well, my son was a forceps delivery, so I oh, didn't yeah. go through what you went through, Scott. I saw an alien head yeah. Oh, yeah. holding this thing going, oh, my God. Yeah. No, I saw... What is this thing? I... I, um, I We... Warren... We have a great um, comic that we have and it printed on our fridge that is uh, a, a tent, and it's a kid coming out of the front of the tent and another kid with a knife coming out of the side of the tent. And then there's an adult pointing and saying that one must have been the cesarean, because that was that was our son. He was a cesarean. So perfect head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Head. Good about, for you. Yeah, you want to talk about horror shows though? Walking in feet first into that room. Oh, was, that's yeah. It. I don't remember it. I blanked it out, but I'm sure it was it was operational. I I suggest to young men when they when when they're having a, their wife is having a baby and they go yeah I'm gonna be right in the operating room and I say don't fucking do it. Go with your friend. Have a cigar. Wait till it's done. We can be there. We won that battle. That's great. Right? We could choose not to. No. I completely disagree. Being, okay. being there before, like... Changes everything. My wife had was lucky enough to have natural birth both times. And just, I like, watching this other human being do the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life was just incredible. And just, yeah. What, yeah, Mark, yeah. check your judgment. Uh, I, I'm just being honest. I don't like gore. I, you know uh, what? Yeah, I don't like. I, I don't yeah. like gore, and it's. I'm sorry. If yeah, there was, if it, it was not pretty, but but watching wasn't pretty. It was beautiful. Come into the world. I say mixture. fill the room full of women in linens, like the old days. You know, an old woman and an old wise woman, like all that kind of stuff. I think that's. I think that's what we should do. But we digress. We do. <laughs> we, we, we do. We better. We better digress now before we got to start censoring other stuff. <laughs> well, okay. Let's get right into the topic because uh, uh, Adam, you do a workshop series on. If, if and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, about. Uh, um, how to get uh, early childhood educators to be a little bit more empathetic about about parents, especially early right. childhood educators that don't have kids, yeah, right? or haven't had a kid in a long time. Yeah, because I was there at one point too when I started when I was twenty two, and and you see parents coming in all the time, and you see parents forgetting everything, and they uh, my, the work one of the workshops I do is called um, with my friend Kisa. Um, shout out to her, awesome person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she is. Yeah, she is. And uh, so it's called, I forgot it was Pajama Day. And so it's just about that idea of like, because you send out your calendars and you you send out memos and notes. And now there's all these apps and different things you can use for communicating with parents. But still, people like forget stuff. And you un- and you see how disappointed the kid is that they forgot it was show and tell day and they didn't bring in their toy to share. So right. you right. feel for that kid, right? Because you have such a relationship with all these children. So so especially when I was younger and I'd be like, how could the parent forget that? Like, And then I, now I have to do something in order to make that kid happy yeah. and then it's causing me more work and whatever. And, and then I had kids of my own and I realized how fucking hard parenting is. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, so like, it was just such a wake up call and I wish someone had have said something to me when I was younger. Oh, so that's why yeah. um, I started speaking about this was because I thought there's a lack of any sort of thing out there for people to understand what it's like. Um, and it, there's certain aspects you're never going to understand until you're in it, but you can hear me talk about it, and then you can at least get an idea of of what it's like. Well, let's sure. dig right in. Sure. What What do you see as some of the traps that early childhood educators get themselves into, or some of the uh, troubles they create with, with with parents? Like, what are you trying to undo? What are What are some of the things that you want to make people aware? Just of? the idea that that parenting is easy. Yeah, it is. I said before, it's hard. And 
for an example, um, for my family's life, we have we have two boys that have to go to swimming lessons. I got one boy who's playing hockey four days a week. I got um, I got many different things I'm volunteering at. I got MCCA mm-hmm. stuff, conference stuff I'm doing. My wife's a teacher. We both work full time. We got bills to pay. We got mortgages. We got things to remember all the time that we just do are doing our best. And then so sometimes remembering that it was show and tell the next morning is mm-hmm. is the least of our priorities. So yep. mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's I find that and and Adam, I'd be curious if you've heard this before, but when I was a young uh a young hotshot uh CCA thinking that I knew everything about childcare. I was there too. Yeah. Um, not me. No, not Mark. No. Mark Mark was Mark was born Mark was born perfect and humble. <laughs> I didn't get the same thing about that humble shit. <laughs> Anybody who knows Mark knows he is the humblest person. The humblest. Um but how many how like I always thought like you have you have two kids to look after. I'm looking after 30 and I have to remember X, Y, Z. Like, how can you not remember this one thing? Right? Like that was a thought that I had in my mind when I, when I was young and thinking like, I have so many responsibilities yeah, and thinking, for sure. and, and, you know, it's not that I didn't have responsibilities, but the response you, you, as you grow, you, your responsibilities change. Right. And so that was something that was that in my reflections, when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about here today, that was something that that caught my attention was me thinking that I use that I have so many more kids to look after than you do. Yeah, but uh, in a center, you're just one part of a whole. Right. Right. So I think that's the biggest difference there because when you're when you're a parent, it's you and that's it, and you got nothing else. Yeah. I mean, thank God I have a wife who is amazing. Right. Without that, I for it's like a single parents, I don't have oh. a fucking clue yeah, how yeah, they do yeah, it yeah. because yeah. just for us to. manage a day-to-day basis and there's two of us and then so i think that's the the thing is you get caught in that trap at a center because you are in a room sometimes with just one other person maybe you're just working in a school age group by yourself and so yeah you you do think yeah i got 15 kids but even those 15 kids are sort of like one because you're molding them all at the same Mm -hmm. time ish you know right Mm -hmm. um and, and you, you only have them for like the best eight hours of the day. Yeah, and they're not related. That's a great point. Right? They're not related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a totally different yeah. energy yeah. when you're with uh, 12, 13 other people. Absolutely. Your age, and there's right? different comfort levels with every single yeah. person, whereas you know siblings have one comfort level that like they've already they they're establishing and changing their comfort levels mm-hmm. consistently, but it's always with the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can, I assume can, I don't have siblings. But can around. you imagine? Like I loved your point too about the single parent versus the 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 dual parent dual parents, yeah. um, because even as a dual parent, when you get those weird messages from the early childhood educator, that's hard to take. Now you get that as a single parent, yeah, and and uh, how detrimental that could be, a to the drive home, right, or to the drive to the daycare center mm-hmm. or the bus ride or 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 anything, and and just your sort of self worth as a parent for heaven's sakes, mm-hmm. adding that on onto that whole plate too. That's that's devastating. Do you think like where do, where does this come from? Like, is there something we're not teaching people in college programs? Is it something wrong with the kind of people that work in the field that don't get that empathy? Is it the fact that our college programs are filling these young people with your kid, all children must eat this and all children must develop like this and all children must be treated like this, right? And we lose our shit when we bring in a pizza pop. So in college, my experience is that it's all about the child the whole time and, and what's best for the children and how you can make it the best experience and the best day for the child and it doesn't present the whole the family as the most important thing right it's because we're helping families in this situation we're dealing with the kids the most Mm -hmm. but the families are just as important the grandparents the everyone who comes in or or doesn't come in to our center and yeah that's a that's a i'm 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 lucky i'm blessed in in april i get to go to new zealand 
um, speaking out there. But I get to New Zealand and I'm going to go see their programs because they take an indigenous focus and bring that into all child care programs. Mm-hmm. Not indigenous yeah. ones, nope. all child care programs. And that the foundation of that is family. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, and even like this is why I always look at the work too. But this is why I'm fascinated with it. They'll look at a kid not as a kid, but as someone in this long line of ancestors from this family. Yeah, that would change it. This, yeah. this completely changes your perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, when you're when you're in the ECE role too, and you, it's a, this is very common. I'm sure everyone out there has had this. Is when you talk to a parent about their kid napping anymore, and they don't want their kid to nap anymore. And they, so as an EC, you're like, well, you, you see them and they need their nap, right? They're, they're tired. They need a rest. They need quiet time. But the parent is at home and the kid's up till 10 o'clock at night, right? And the, and the parent knows that's not best for the kid. Um, but also you need to have the kids napping because you got to worry about lunch breaks and all this other stuff. So it's finding a balance between all of this. That, and that's and a good point. that was, you were talking about your, your college experience, uh, Adam and it it reminded me of of my college experience and two things stood out to me in when I was uh, in my training. One was we did um, what was that class mark the workshop on or the the bias and like diversity yeah, and inclusion diversity yeah. and inclusion and we talked a lot about um, you know bringing talking to parents and and bringing parents in and being non judgmental and unbiased in our in our relationships with parents and while I was in training. While I was at, at college, they had uh, they had the National Child Care Conference, and I th- spoke about this in another episode. But there was uh, we talked a lot in, in school about being quality, like quality, 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 quality is all that matters. So they had um, one of the the sessions I went to was what does quality mean, and that was immediately jumped off the page at me. Like, yes, I want to know, I want to hear some other people's uh, interpretations of this, and. Um, and from Mark's favorite country, there was a Belgian speaker who was talking. <laughs> I, hate the I know you do, and it, I'm gonna bring it up every time. It's their smile. It must be it, their no, smile. No, it is. They it's all have smile. the same smile in our judgment-free podcast. I know. Uh, there I go again. <laughs> they there's a speaker there who talked about how you know a quality program is a diverse program is a program that recognizes the individual needs of the families and how how the needs of each child and how their unique needs contribute to the overall quality of your center. And that always stuck with me as being like, that's, that's kind of how I've driven my, my practice to quality is trying to get to know every family and understand every family so that I can provide the best quality of care for that family. Mm -hmm. Amen. So what, uh, what are some of the things that bug you? You know, within within how early childhood educators uh, and in the wider community, right? Uh, uh, what bugs you? What bugs me? I don't know. This is a tough question. I'm a tough question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can you do you do- think this was going to be just an easy sit on the green <laughs> chair and get interviewed kind of thing? <laughs> and have some of Ken's coffee? Yeah. What bugs me is just having more empathy for, yeah. for the parents' plight. And, and they're working eight hours, ten hours a day, too, and just... But can I, I've asked this before, sure. and it, it, why is empathy trouble in our field? Like, why does that word come up all the time? Why are we here talking about, let's understand parents. Mm-hmm. Why do we have, a, maybe I'm opening up a really dangerous door. I don't no, know. I, but why do we have this empathy question all the time within our field? Well, I can, I'm from where I come from, where I'm the people that I'm working with, uh, or that I have worked with. There's a lot of people who have been in the field for a long time in a very broad sense of the word can start to feel jaded about, um, the fact that we don't earn, we don't have a great earning. You know, if you've been a single parent working in a child care center on that income and you're relying on subsidy, you have to reapply for subsidy every so often. You know, you're relying on income assistance for whatever, for other things that you might need. Those, and you're living in a rent situation, most likely, mm-hmm. if you're if you're an ECE and that's your only source of income. Um, and so that kind of... Um, all of those things that weigh on a person as an ECE as you're going through your career, they 
they turn toxic. They turn okay. they That's turn toxic point. things. That, That's a good point. Things that would have been, you know, not a big deal become a big deal because all these other things are weighing on you that's that's what i've experienced that's what i've seen as as a fairly consistent pattern in people who who we have i do i've identified as needing to kind of refresh their empathy i wonder too if maybe other people share a similar feeling to me and i'm just going to speak to myself though but i personally have like an empathy meter in my body and I I expend that empathy all day long at my work, and my wife will certainly attest to the fact that often. <laughs> let's get her on the phone. Let's get her on, her, get her on the phone. Call, call, call up. Hi, Christina. <laughs> there we go. We got we the whole family. We got the whole family. We have a call from Christina coming in. <laughs> and sometimes I get home, and, and my empathy meter has yeah. ran out by yeah. that time, right? Yeah. And uh, so I and I think as part of the job, right? Because it is empathy all the time. We're yeah. just, we're worrying about other people's feelings for eight hours a day. Yeah. And that's tricky. Yeah. It, right? it is exhausting. I think that's a good point you bring up, Adam. It's, it is, it's easy to say, well, you know, you got into this field because you love kids, all that other stuff, but there's a, there's a real tangible, you know, cost, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, that drains your own, my, I use the, similar to your empathy meter i i think that i have like vials i have like a vial of of caring for people at the daycare i have a vial of caring for people at at home and a vial of caring for just general goings-on of stuff and whiskey yeah that's that's the vial that's the vial i dip in to refill all my other vials yeah i noticed that one never goes down in <laughs> Keep it topped up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's my favorite one. <laughs> but okay, this is this has made me. Uh, I never sort of put this together. It makes absolute sense. A jobs all about empathy. B there's tremendous stressors that drain that thing, and and some and some people drains it faster than other people, right? And therein lies the trouble, right? Yeah. Right, and and therein lies the this terrible cycle that ends up happening where now we're sort of not being very empathetic to the parent. And then it, it just continues on and on and on who takes it on the kid that takes it out on the daycare. Right, then we yeah. take it out on the parent, take it out and on then, the kid, takes it out on the daycare. And one thing that I've noticed too, that I never understood when I was, you know, new into centers and stuff like that was, uh, how many directors I'd come across and I'd work with that would have, that would be kind of role modeling that kind of, Mm. jadedness or that yeah. that lack of empathy and i and i couldn't wrap my head around like you're supposed to be the boss of the place like how mm-hmm. and then i started taking on some some management responsibilities at my current job and i started answering the phone mm-hmm. when a parent would call me asking you know begging me to for a spot mm-hmm. in a daycare and then i started then you know three hours later i get another call and i did some math on this uh from i think it was from january this year to um to the end of february this year so about 2 months on average i received four phone calls a day hmm. of a of a parent looking for a spot so so desperation it, and People and that's what you're dealing with as a as you know as somebody who if you're in a managerial role in a center not only do you have the strain of knowing that you have employees who are who are being maxed out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you're paying them mm-hmm. as best you can, but you know that you, they should be earning more or knowing that your program is, there's something in your program that you need to change or alter or improve upon or, or whatever. And then on top of that, now you have, and you have families that you're, you're trying to connect with and, mm-hmm. and be empathetic towards. And then you have this outside pressure of, mm-hmm. you know, four times a day, you're getting a phone call from somebody who is begging you to come into this group that is already overtaxed, that is already right. overworked, right. that is already, you know, giving everything that it has. Yeah. And then you feel so bad that you don't have answers. Exactly, for right? And that's just it. So that guilt just weighs on and adds on to all of those those kinds of things. And it's it just it hurts. Okay. I want to change the tune a bit on this one. Because okay. I, I think you're on I, I it I'm feeling a little bit like, oh my God, what do we do then? Like, because I think this is a very serious topic about how, like people need to just understand what parents are going through. And again, reversing that cycle, going if I treat parents great, they treat the kid great. Kid has a great life. I, right. I to me, quality childcare is a kid has a happy life. Yep. And that's within the the, the realms of whatever family system they have, and 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 they're going to have a great story. Yep. That's what I care about, right? 
that's all I care about. <clears throat> so I do worry about that. Um, these stressors and things like that, uh, they will, they're, they're real, they're tangible. And, and uh, I'm going to, I think we all need to do some thinking about like, how do we create a less stressful environment for everybody? Maybe it doesn't include money, but maybe there's some other things that we do, you know, when we think about what the, what these families, what these families need. I'd like to just throw a wrench in this, ask a different kind of a question. Because I'm curious about how this whole started was you've got young early childhood educators that may not have kids, yep. right? I understand that, but I also see it on the other side. I was at a daycare center where the directors said that uh, we're not doing the Thanksgiving meal anymore. And I said, well, why? And they said, because the parents didn't say thank you. <laughs> I thought you missed the whole fucking point oh, of Thanksgiving. No. But anyways, oh. I'm not judgmental. No. I'm, I'm humble like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. not judgmental <laughs> like that. So then I thought, what about the people who had kids a long time ago? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, is there a big difference between being a parent today than being a parent, say, like my age, uh, 20 no. years ago, 30 years really ago? Because we have those... We have those two groups of folks yeah. within our childcare programs, yeah, right? Sure. We have the 19s and we have the 50-year-olds, mm-hmm. right? And all that kinds of stuff. So and way, way up, we have the marks. <laughs> way <laughs> up there. Goes well beyond the 50s. Way yeah. up. <laughs> the marks. The 50s. So. It's that whiskey. It keeps you young, boys. <laughs> it does. It does. Whiskey and salty cashews. <laughs> yes, and staying out of operating rooms. <laughs> Is um, this what young looks like? <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. Oh, yeah. Um it, is are there differences between being a parent today as being as opposed to my day? We were talking earlier before we started, and I said, you know, the only big difference I could see was that men like me, when you were a father, you were treated like a hero or a fucking saint because you took care of your kid, right? You're supposed to, you know, you change your kid's diaper, and you, oh my god, take a picture of this guy, right? Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case today. I think is, no, is sort of an expectation, yeah. right? There's change rooms and in, in there's baby change rooms in most men's washrooms that I've been to, at least, right? There are, yeah. there are a lot of those yeah. things. So, have you do you do you guys have different stressors as parents? Throw me your stressors, then I'll throw back whether or not that was same sort of similar stressor that I had when I was a young parent. Uh, my biggest stressor is making sure I don't fuck them up. Right, <laughs> that's, that's one and one A, absolutely. That's that's all I'm worrying about all the time, and yeah. even just like reflecting on my own childhood and my parents, and and thinking about the I love you, mom and dad, but the things that fucked me up, right? Yeah. And the thing, the weight that I the carry things that now. are inevitable, yeah. in, in a parent-child relationship, right? There's things, yeah. there's things, that... and like there's things I know I'm gonna do that are like this is gonna affect you for the rest of your life, and I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that right now, but I know yeah. for you later it is. So I, that's that's my biggest stressor as um, a parent. Yeah, that's well. That okay. I I would be curious to see whether or not that tension is greater today than my generation. We. So can I just add something? Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. Again, I, my parents were doing the best that they could. All right, and and they were from another generation, right? Totally different generation. I like what you said there, Adam. That yeah, when then when I had a kid, I went, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be different than my father and yep. different than my mother. But the bar was so fucking low, <laughs> right? The bar was so fucking low that I wonder with you guys, the bar's a little higher. It, you know what? I think it's, um, it's interesting because I, I don't think. Mm, there there is a like i i know when i think about it um in a calm and relatively peaceful state that yes the bar is very high but you know when you're in those those high tension moments with your own child you know you only remember the the bad things that happened when you were a kid or the things that you interpret as bad things that happened when you were a kid right um but for me those i don't i don't think so much about and maybe this is just me but i don't really think so much about how how my parents did it versus how i do it i think more about how i do it versus how my peers do it oh oh, that's Mm, interesting um and i think a lot of that comes from you know the the 
the social media presence that we yeah. have right now, I think as an ECE, I always think long game. How like how is this going to affect the child? You know, how the the things that I do, I want them to be positive to impact, you know, to, to keep building stepping stones further down the road. But I think about that in terms of like an internet presence mm. for it's why I don't I try not to mention my son's name on the podcast mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. for me personally it's one of those things that I'm I'm trying to to keep a, a just I'm I'm really paranoid about it mm-hmm. is I think the best way to describe it. But that's interesting. That okay, so that's a totally different time than than my time. Yeah, like, well, that's even a different take for me. Yeah. 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 Because like our time, when I was a young parent, there was a liberty in being a pioneer. Yeah, you know, there was a liberty of I don't know where this is going. I, I don't. I have no models. Like, well, okay, but this is, I guess, what a father does now, right? They go to the fucking operating room and yeah. all that other kinds yeah. of shit, and and try not to fuck up their kids. You know, uh, reading books and all this stuff. But it, so there was something liberating about that, right? Whereas I wonder with you guys, in your point that you brought up is, yeah, there's a lot more. Social media stuff is look at this great fucking dad. Look at that great fucking dad. Look at this great fucking dad. Look at that dad. Look at that dad. Look at that dad over there. Well, I never had that. And it's interesting too because I notice as many times as I say like, oh, look at what this dad did. That's great. I follow a, a guy, uh, how to dad. Um, he's a, a New Zealander uh, who does these really hilarious short videos about you know his kids and how to be a dad, and they're they're fantastic. But um, I. I think as many times as I say that guy's doing an amazing job, I think like, why would you do that? Like mm-hmm. it, it just it creates such a comparative okay. um, dichotomy in your in your mind that I don't even necessarily I'm like I said I'm paranoid about it. So I try and I try and always keep keep my head on my shoulders about that kind of stuff. But I catch myself every once in a while just becoming super judgmental about things that I see online mm-hmm. that other parents, parents I don't even know mm-hmm. do like post about their kids and stuff like that. And I think like, I don't, what am I? I sometimes I think, why don't I do that? And other times I think, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And you don't do that at all, Adam. No, I think maybe why when my, my kid's only seven, but I still feel like when I, when I started parenting, the social media, and this was only seven years ago, but right. it wasn't nearly at the point it is now. Mm-hmm. It's exploded, right? right? So, and then I'm also, I remain super aware of that, like, Instagram is just, like, these pictures people want you to see, right? right. It's They're, all it's, fake. Yeah, it's, it's all staged moments, or, or you took, like, 800 pictures, and then you put the best one up there, and, yeah. like... Right, so okay. I don't know. I I don't worry about that stuff as much as I just I reflect on I for I I don't know why, but I just I constantly reflect on my own childhood and my own parents and and even just like realizing all the things that my parents did for me that I never thought about or I took for granted and how hard it must have been. Like my mom had four kids and like I like I have two. I don't not know how yeah. my mom yeah. had and yeah. my my dad had four kids. Yeah. Like my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that that's a good point. I, I okay. So this is interesting. I want to get back to the the, the major point. This is all about is I would argue then, especially these days, boy oh boy, early childhood educators better zip that judgment mouth, Absolutely. right? Because it, it it'd be a little different than my. I didn't like it either, but I I would look at them like ah, you don't get it because you don't get what I'm going through when I'm trying. You're from an old school, yeah. right? No, mm-hmm. so I I could, I could I didn't have that same pressure that you guys are having that's why i found your workshop so intriguing because i when i first met you at the conference when you were talking about it, i went that doesn't make any sense why would you need to have a workshop like that because i didn't get it within my own yeah. realm so this this is really interesting with the sort of whether it's the peer pressures i loved your point adam because i think every parent out there the main stressor is i don't want to fuck them up yeah you know? and i don't want to fuck up which is again in your point about you know we get into stressful situations because we have a relationship yeah we have a relationship with somebody and i notice that as we get older and as we get smarter with with working with kids we're starting to hear and maybe we're wrong maybe we're wrong that we're putting we're hearing too much power in our words and what we say to our 
our kids. You know what I mean? Right. Because I think I think we as dads are different than our own dads. I don't know how many times my dad said, "Oh fuck, I wish I would have said that differently." Like yeah. he never apologized <laughs> yeah. to me. No. Never did anything like that. Yeah. I constantly apologized to my son. Right. Yeah. That was a totally different uh, uh, relationship. Yeah. Right. So I wonder. I wonder what the social media stuff you guys were talking about. It, that that this has exasperated this problem. Well, and it's it. I found Adam Adam, your point was very interesting too about how you know your your practice and your relationship with with social media because you're a, you're a little bit older than me. I'm 31, so you don't have to tell me how old you are. But I'm 39. Yeah. So so you have a so there's 55. Oh wow! You missed you missed the you missed the hundred. <laughs> Um, but, but even that, like, like we were talking about before, even like seven years worth of social media is a huge change. Right. So, but I wonder if, if maybe I am so paranoid about it that I am, I take on way too much of that, that anxiety and that fear about that kind of stuff rather than, like you said, very reasonably, this is a one snapshot out of, you know, a life. Right. And it's, and it's a highlight reel. So I'm also super paranoid about like government and conspiracies and stuff too. And like, so I'm always like, they know everything about me that there is to know anyway. So I don't worry about putting you and Mark should do another podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'm really into the Illuminati. Yeah. Ah, And it's, and it's role in creating judgment in early childhood educators. (laughs) It's all, (laughs) it's that Soros guy, man. It's that goddamn Soros guy. It's gotta be him. Um, Are there any other challenges or barriers do you think that parents today face that you wish that early childhood educators would, sort of understand or maybe empathize a little bit more about just what it try to think about what it's like for for the home life right when you have when you do something awesome at work like a mud day and Mm -hmm. and then you you send those kids home muddy and then the parents gotta they worked eight hours a day at whatever they're doing and it's it could be far more exhausting when than what you did all day even though we all obviously worked very hard um and then, and then they got to bathe their kid and they got to feed their kid and they got to pay their bills. And then they got to take one kid to soccer and they got to take the other kid to hockey and they got to take their third kid, um, to the doctor. And the other one's got the flu and one of them has, a you have to take a day off work and then your wife needs to take off the day of work, but she's got something really important and you've got something really important and something has to give because grandma's too busy to help you out today for whatever reason. There's just so much going on outside I, of and and I just want to say for any non-parents listening to the podcast, what Adam just described it might have sounded like hyperbole, but I swear to God, that's like every other Everybody week. Everybody was nodding. That's in this every room other going, week oh, for yeah, a parent oh, yeah. is is the oh, yeah. all of those thoughts have to like they go through your mind constantly because and and I only have one like you have two and it's incredible to me pa- families who have like who have multiples you know more beyond even like three is is mm-hmm. it, it's mind-boggling to me and i hope to be fortunate enough to have more kids one day but man like right even just right now i think sometimes like oh man i am looking forward to the love of more kids but there i already have a lot to think of. like thank god my son's daycare has a lunch program otherwise the kid wouldn't eat yeah. like i don't even like I don't have to worry about packing him a lunch in the morning, and that is the that is the best forty dollars I have ever spent. Adam, I thought that was I. I think that should be a poster. I think that should be something <laughs> that should be in every childcare program. About this is a parent. Yeah. This yeah. is this is what a parent just went through. Uh, half an hour before half, the kid came on into the drive daycare, over. an hour before daycare. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I. I that's where empathy begins is when people start to understand that sort of a life. Well, and how can we help the parents yes. out, right? If you got this, you got to say yeah. a single dad who's got yeah. three kids and he's working his job and, you know, he's yeah. showing up late every day and yeah. you're adding on like $15 fines daily and sometimes it's per kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then this guy's got like $45 extra a day yeah. he's got to pay and he's just trying to do the best he can. Yeah. Like, could you maybe just get one staff to start a little bit later and end their shift a little bit. Like, is there just something you can do to help these people out? Like it's not, they're not necessarily being malicious or forgetting on purpose. It's just, how can you help? And And they're dying a thousand deaths driving to the daycare. Yeah. Like they're dying a thousand deaths. They're going, I got, I'm late again. I'm late. Everyone's going to be, 
judging me on that stuff. And again, my big worry about that is then you're so frustrated you take it out on the kids. Yeah. It's a yeah. quiet drive home. It's not fun. Yeah. And then it's going to be a miserable then, night. Right. And then the time that you have as a parent with your child is you lose yeah. you lose the joy of that time and i think that's mm-hmm. you know it's one of the things that when you know we i'm fortunate enough to go to some fantastic workshops on you know hiring people and who to, what to look for when you hire mm-hmm. people and um and so when we we hire summer students and when we hire you know uh new staff i'm i'm always trying to get in there and trying to say like you know, these are the things we really want to be cautious of. And during an interview, these are the things I really am wary of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our orientations, we focus on, you know, we are bringing this family into our family. Mm-hmm. So we care mm-hmm. for them and, and we need to understand that they have their own thing going on. And mm-hmm. anything that we see is a snapshot of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really got to really gotta be open-minded and, and un- non-judgmental. In, in your thinking towards parents. So can I ask then, Adam, what would be, do you have any advice that you would give early childhood educators? I know one thing you were saying, be empathetic, I understand. Right. Uh, any, other, any other advice for them to be able to break through that? And, and, and let's be honest, just remember the point of the job is service, right? right. And, and just to remember you're, you're in service to something big. Something right. greater than ourselves. Something yeah. greater than ourselves. So would, would you have any advice that maybe, you know, we could give an early childhood educator about that on how to sort of hone those skills? Just instead of being mad about the thing, try to think of a way you can help the thing, whatever whatever it is. If they forgot show and tell, if, they, if they're showing up late all the time, if they uh, only send McDonald's for lunch, right? Like parents are just trying to do their best. We're all trying to do our best even if it doesn't look like that all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and can I just it's... tack on to, to that point, Adam? One of the things that I've realized in my own practice and, and that I've seen and, and talked to other people about is, you know, if, if you find yourself constantly getting, feeling that frustration, feeling that, that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, there's a red flag, red flag, red mm-hmm. flag, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at your practice and, and, and you have looked at your practice, you've tried to make changes, it's not working for you. Think about is, is the environment that you're in conducive to better practice or is the environment that you're in part of what's causing the practice lapses mm. that you're in. And it's not, I don't mean to knock any daycares. No, no. Sometimes you've been in a place for a long time. Yeah. You just need yeah. to, you need to freshen up. You need yeah. to try something different because you're going to learn new things. What's that, Japanese uh, master to beginner. Uh, oh, Shin, uh, uh, Shoshin. Shoshin. Shoshin, the uh, beginner's mind. The beginner's mind, yeah. where Shoshin. where you maybe you you just need to try on a different space, and you need to try on different yeah. people around you to to refresh yourself because oh, being totally. in one place for a long time can be draining. Yeah, and just educating yourself and keep educating yourself and go to conferences and go to workshops and and learn as much as you can and just take one thing from each workshop you go to okay. and that's a success, right? Yeah. And and then share that information with parents too. Is that's so important. There's a lot of parents don't know like um, I took an amazing probably one of the best workshops I ever took on my life was um, uh, how to help parents and, and children deal with death because mm. uh, we had a we had my my nephew died two years ago he okay. was um and so just so like so i didn't know i was like well how do i help my own kids yeah. deal with that loss in our family mm-hmm. and it was and so i i went to that workshop for personal reasons but since then i've had i've had where i've had to help parents deal with death in their own lives mm-hmm. to grandparents or uh, at one point i had a father die in my program mm-hmm. and it was just heartbreaking mm-hmm. and just being able to share information with parents uh, is so important because they yeah. don't know they don't know we're we're there yeah. me as a parent i'm just trying to do my best i don't i don't know every yeah. everything absolutely so. and you don't and and often as a parent you don't even necessarily know to ask right yeah, yeah. Right? well yeah well, you don't even know what the question is right yeah. and so you don't... so uh, you know the best relationships i've had in working in early childhood education um have been with with kids and their families um, and some of the parents, you know, I, I've had parents who I leave and, and we still, you know, email each other occasionally just to That's check cool. in and see how things are going. 
Um, if, if I can add some, just something that, again, talk about beginner's mind, uh, I, it's my hope that, that early childhood educators, and I say this in workshops, but, but follow a code of honor and, and not necessarily, I'm, I'm tired of a code of ethics. Uh, I, I don't believe in, in ethics. I believe that uh, um, you can have all the best ethics in the world, but it ain't going to make things better. Uh, honor is the only thing that makes things better. Uh, ethics are just ethics are just rules of conduct, whereas honor is your behavior and character. So I, I, you're you're grimacing yeah, at me, yeah. funny, but that's okay. It's my show, Adam. You, you get your own fucking show. Um, but so what I would if please we follow, don't. It's if, a small if, market. If we followed a, a code of honor, you would have an early childhood educator. The very first rule in the code of honor, the warrior code, is to make this place better than it was yesterday for everyone. So that'd be the first thing that you, that's the first duty you do as a warrior, as an early childhood educator. How am I going to make this day better for this parent today than it was yesterday? How do I see the good and see the strengths in everybody, right? So see the strengths and the goodness of, of what all the parents bring, regardless of, of some of our interactions and stuff like that. How do we build a democracy, right? How do we build an inclusive place so every kind of parent can feel like they belong, right? Um, so my my little advice would be, People need to remember this job is about honor, and you need to follow a code of honor. Yeah, I just lost a whole bunch of MCCA friends with that, and other, I guess, you association already, friends. You already, you already got with an, my anti code of ethics, but I can't stand code of ethics. Got, I'm sorry. You got an award. You can for break being, ethics. You got an award for being a friend to childcare. Uh, so yes, pretty sure. I did. And I swore, <laughs> I swore in my awards thing, and there was a kid in the audience. Yeah, that but that's me. Right. That's me. Hey, can we end with uh, just a little thing? Well, yeah. Sure. What advice? Three parents here. Parent of a two-year-old. Parent of a, you know, a seven and a five and a four or four or five, seven. You're and a parent of a 27-year-old. What advice, Adam, would you give a new parent or prospective parent about, look what you're entering? What would you give? Just one word advice. All right, Scott? One word advice. Um, Start with Adam. Yeah. Uh, one word I can't. I, okay, how about a yeah. sentence? All right, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's absolutely, that's... I, you know, Adam's our guest, and we got to extend him the courtesy, but like he takes all the best ones when he does uh, his thing. Um, first it was, you know, I don't want to fuck it up, and now it's yeah. good luck. Yeah. Um, uh, buy, buy lots of diapers. Okay. Have lots of diapers on hand. See, I was from the old school, and we actually had cloth. Eh, cloth we were the cloth guys. I would say it gets better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, for I, sure. I would say it gets yeah. better. You know, I, I remember looking at my kid when he was a toddler, and like I was like moments away from calling a priest, <laughs> right? Like, oh, yeah, my uh, son's got yeah. the devil. Right? <laughs> as, as a father, who the fuck are you? <laughs> as a father of a two-year-old, right? I now, made I this. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. And then it 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 gets better. Yeah, it just that's, gets that's a good one. That's a really and every good one. milestone it gets better. It changes and and each milestone has its own challenges. Yeah, but you're right. Especially when once you hit like that four plus, it gets better. Yeah, it, and every every milestone <laughs> yeah. is the same. And it's yeah. it, like it, it'll pass. Yeah. yeah, it'll pass. Well, and then they'll do something else annoying. Right? Yeah. Of course, exactly. it's called development. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why they do yeah. it because of development. Totally. And I, it, just to jump onto that about that advice, it's just as an old man, you know, who's got a twenty-seven-year-old uh, kid, it flies by so fucking fast. Yeah. And and these are milestones that that children go through. They're not finishing lines or anything like that. Uh, just enjoy it. You know, because you, it really will. And I'm going to say it to you guys right now because you're looking at me. It's over in a blink of an eye. Like, it really is. It, it, your, your kid's going to be finished high school before you know it. And maybe to take off that point, enjoy it when you can. And the rest of the stuff, you know, when you can't, just get through it. Yeah, just get through it. Just get through it. Keep your hobbies. <laughs> Keep your hobbies. Find things that affirm you, right? To fill your, what, fill what did your you have? Your meter, fill your vial, yeah. fill your well. You know, I have it as a well. There you go. All right. Adam, beautiful having you here oh, thanks again. Thanks for having me. It Thank was great. Thank you very much. Just yeah. love having you here. It was a pleasure. Here. Scott, wonderful as always working so, with you on so this. So nice to see you. On this. 
Ken Shando, thank you for setting up the room, putting the air conditioning on because it's sweltering it here is in Winnipeg. Freaking ridiculous. And uh, having coffee ready and just uh, just your beautiful personality, Ken. And, it just and, uh, warms me. And happy birthday, 7 Eleven, because it's 7 Eleven's birthday today. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's July 11th. Are you trying to get them as a sponsor now? It, yeah, you're trying everything. Anything. I love anything. 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 Oh, I love like God, it. man. Uh, our, our patrons are fantastic, yes. as I mentioned. In the ad break, yes. patrons are fantastic. Thank you guys so much. You you help make this show possible. But I mean, if if we could get a cashew company and Seven oh. Eleven, and let's throw in Love Nest. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's throw them. Let's in. do the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, why not? Let's do the whole thing. Let's okay. let's let's run the gamut. Well, everybody, I hope you're having a lovely summer. I hope this was informative for people. Hope we haven't rubbed too many people's noses the wrong way, but maybe you gotta, right? And if and if we have, and if you have questions or you want clarification or you just want to yell at us, you can email us at the same babysitting at gmail.com. Yeah, and, or as I always say, see me in a bar and yell at me there because I'm not online. Exactly. All right, everybody, have a wonderful night and love the one that you love. Mm-hmm.